RadioInfluence.com. The future is now. You are sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of City Ringside. My name is David Penzer, and as always, we are so happy that you are here to listen to this thing. Almost forgot my own opening. That we call a podcast. Welcome, folks. I just want to start off by saying two words, and those words have never been truer than this past week in professional wrestling about a week ago, and that is that cancer sucks. And I'm um, sure that there's not a listener uh, of this podcast that hasn't been affected in some way by the horrible disease. And uh, it's affected my family. And uh, this past uh, Monday, about a week ago, we were stunned by the news that Roman Reigns uh, is battling leukemia for the second time. Just want to start off by saying thoughts, prayers, uh, good feelings, good fortune. Uh, met him a couple times. I'm not going to say he's a friend by any means. Uh, don't even know that he knows who I am, quite frankly. But uh, super guy, class guy, always acted classy whenever I was around him. And uh, and from all accounts, uh, he always acts classy in general. So uh, what a stunning announcement. And I think of all the times that i've been around the pro wrestling business i've heard retirements that were heart-wrenching uh i've seen angles that uh that uh were stunning um if you go back and you listen to that promo when he announces when he announces the fact that he's has cancer again i don't know that i've ever in my entire career of 20 plus years Heard an arena go absolutely silent. 15,000, 18,000 people, not one person said a word. You could hear a pin drop. Uh, it gave me goosebumps. And um, and and good for the uh, WWE Universe to, no matter what you think they thought about Roman and his push and all that for being classy, as uh, I would imagine that wouldn't imagine anything different. And uh, just want to let Roman know that uh, here at City Ringside, uh, we are behind him, thoughts and prayers. And if he is able to make it, knock on wood, and beat cancer for a second time, uh, which all indications appear that he has a good shot, uh, from what I've heard up until the point of recording this, uh, then imagine when he comes back out in that ring and and makes a comeback and uh and that 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 would be an awesome an awesome sight to see uh i might have to be chopping onions at the time that happens because uh there might be a, a tear or two appearing in my callous eye but uh so so best wishes to him and um uh i had no problem with the angle at the end i actually thought it was brilliant um for those who might have been offended by it, I, I don't. I'm not going to argue with you. Your feelings are your feelings, and, and that's fine. You're entitled to have them. We've talked about that in the past. Uh, I, I thought that it was perfect timing for a lot of reasons. Uh, 
you know, the sometimes hearing news like that makes people go in different directions. Not, not everybody gets sad. Some people get mad. So, uh, there's a, uh, I know they were heading that way anyway, but now it leaves a big question mark as to why did, why would he right after winning the tag team titles for Roman, uh, in, 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 in for him, why would he turn? And, and I mean, it was a hard turn. It wasn't like a DDT and leave him laying. It was uh beat the living, you know what, out of the guy. And, um, I had no problem with it. Uh, it's sports entertainment, entertainment being part of it. The show must go on. Unfortunately, doesn't mean that, uh, anybody cares any less about the fortunes of Roman Reigns. It wasn't a angle about Roman Reigns, but it was an angle about his friends and how they reacted to winning the tag team title, uh, for him and, 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 and moving forward where that, where that takes us. So, um, I actually enjoyed this week's Raw. I don't watch Raw all that often. Usually I fast forward through it or I just read the results, but I actually enjoyed it. Obviously didn't enjoy the first segment. Uh, that's heartbreaking. Uh, if anything, it maybe shows why uh, you, they, the writers should give these guys a little bit more latitude to not overscript them. I don't think that's gonna, going to happen. I think that that would fall on deaf ears. And sure, one could say that this was a real-life situation, so it's different than a wrestling angle. But, um, you know, a wrestling angle could be interpreted as a real-life situation. And uh, and if it does, if it is, then people believe it. So uh, I just think more believability and more of the person's personality, as my guest calls in this week uh, in the background. So... I stand by for him. His name is Jerry Lynn, and we're looking forward to talking to him. We haven't even have a little bit of a surprise for Jerry, uh, a little third party that we reached out to and, uh, and did an interview with. So uh, anyway, uh, long story short, prayers, thoughts uh, with Roman. Uh, cancer sucks. Uh, let these guys be a little bit more themselves, and I think that uh, it will pay off a lot. And a uh, great angle to close the show. Uh, and if you disagree, that's your right. God bless you. Um, so without further ado, I want to get to this week's guest. He has a new podcast coming out with somebody who I'm very familiar with. And that is our old buddy, our old associate producer, Mike Freeland, is uh, hosting a new podcast with Jerry and Mikey Whipwreck. And we're going to be talking to Jerry about that, about his career and about the big Mr. JL controversy, we're going to hear from the Booker man himself on what really went down that day. So without further ado, please welcome the Booker for WCW at the time uh, and the Monday Night Wars, Kevin Sullivan. As we know, folks, my guest this week on City Ringside is Jerry Lynn. And uh, one of the things in Jerry Lynn's career that uh, everybody seems to go back to is the name Mr. JL when he debuted under a mask for World Championship Wrestling and how that was such a gimmick killer. And um, I, I've said many times on this podcast that I was uh, I was sitting right next to Ken Sullivan or standing, I believe, who was the booker at the time uh, of WCW. And he throughout the day kept uh, tossing ideas him and other creative members for names for Jerry Lynn's mass characters 
And they all came back from corporate one after another as being denied. So um, I'll never forget it as, as, as long as I live and excuse my language. He was he got to the point where the show was starting uh, within like a half hour. And they said, well, what do we call him? And Kevin said, fuck it. Call him Mr. JL. And I, I think I want, I want to speak for Kevin, but I think Kevin probably knew the gimmick was dead with that name. And, and, and I certainly did. And I didn't know a lot about wrestling, but um, it's become folklore. So we wanted to bring Kevin on Kevin and speaking to you about saying up this interview. The one thing I didn't know at the time is one of the reasons corporate was being so um, hard to deal with uh, was that they were not happy having another masked wrestler. Explain that. Well, they were trying to take the mask off the luchadors and eventually did. Remember that? Or we took it off even Ray for a while. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. It was because they didn't know anything about Lucha Libra. Lucha Libra, the mask is sacred. They thought it was uh, stereotyping uh, Hispanics as gang members. That's how stupid they were. I came up with a ridiculous, not a ridiculous name, because I came up with uh, uh, El Negro Gato, which means black cat. And there was a black cat wrestler in the years prior, in the 50s. He was huge, like he was El Santo's uh, opponent for years. So I thought that would be a good name. No, you can't use that, uh, you know, you're making a... uh, uh, a black guy, a villain. I mean, and Jerry wasn't a villain. He was a baby face. He wasn't a black guy. Everything. I know. And he wasn't <laughs> a black guy. You know, you know, but they were saying, I'm making, uh, putting some, some, you know how hot it was there, David. They yeah. didn't want, it, no foreign object. It was an international object. Yeah. It was, went on and on and on. And as you remember during the day, I think I came up with a, a good name. You know, it was uh, like uh, it had something to do like the Thunder Kid or something like that. No, we can't have that because that could could uh, go again as a gang. There were so into this gang-related things then. Do you remember that? Yet we had Master P and <laughs> what did they go to the airport and they had 32 guns on them, and they all got arrested, right? <laughs> they, were, they didn't want masked luchadors, and they knew nothing about the history of luchadors. They knew nothing about there is a uh, there is a connection between religion and uh, luchadors. You know, the mask and Santa Maria and El Parker and some of the characters. And they were dead, as you knew, no, Dave, you hit it, you were there, it got more frustrating, more frustrating. You know, uh, how I look back now, maybe it would be better to call him Jerry Lynn with the mask on. You know what I mean? <laughs> or just call him Jerry Lynn and put, and put have, give him a, a mask. But no, I, yeah, yeah. I had forgotten the name Thunder Kid. That was a good one, too. And, you know, yeah. It's funny how life is, Kevin, and you know you're you're a uh, a master of, of history, and and not only in this business but in in the world. And you know, imagine if they'd approved Thunder Kid. You know how Jerry Lynn's career might have been different, and or maybe not. Who knows? But uh, so when you finally said "fuck it," we're going to call him Mr. JL. Um, 
Did you did you realize at that point it was pretty dead in the water and you you know the corporate had screwed yeah, you I, again? Yeah, and I knew they were going to take the mask off eventually, and they did. Remember? Yeah. When they had them, you know, and I knew that was the whole battle. Uh, maybe I should have given in earlier, but Jerry was a fabulous worker, and I thought he fit in wonderful with the luchadors. I mean, Ray and Hoovy. I mean, the list goes on of the guys we had. They could have had incredible matches. Can you imagine a three-way match with Hoovy, Ray, and Jerry Lynn? I mean, that's box office. Sure. And Jerry never got his just due because of corporate. And again, we were laughing about it, but I don't think people understand that this was a shoot. We had Master P, who's a hardcore rapper, and they came through the airport in, it was either Shreveport or Baton Rouge, and they got arrested with 32 guns on them. But they didn't make a big deal of that because <laughs> Master P was a well-known name. I think they should have went with Jerry, Jer- uh, uh, the lightning bolt kid of the Thunder Kid or El Gato. It would have been better than what happened. Absolutely. It, absolutely. Happened, to a, it happened to a great guy, too, which really mm. sucks. Yeah, well, we appreciate the the quick history lesson, and uh, you know, looking back at the hypocrisy in uh, corporate WCW, you know, I, I recently hosted at Starcast, as you know, because you were right there, a panel on the death of WCW, and and you know, learned some things maybe that I didn't realize or that I had heard that I thought were were, were BS, but uh, corporate, you know, they they really were out to uh, to to make it as hard as possible, which I knew, but some of the stories just like this one just border on ludicrous but uh but hey kevin uh i know you're a friend of the show um and uh uh uh, master historian in this business and uh thank you for coming on and telling that story i've been wanting to do that for a while and uh, we're gonna get back to jerry but uh hey congratulations on your red Sox, and uh hopefully they'll go all the way for you well you you call that one dave you with tampa rays and the Red Sox, after they played the first game of the season, you were already hanging the banner up. <laughs> 2018 World Series champions, Tampa Bay. Yeah. Great. I learned I learned that one a one one series, especially the opening series, a season doesn't make because after they lost like two out of three, they ended up winning like a hundred out of hundred and twenty. So, but hey, I'm not a Red Sox fan, but good luck. You're you're a good person and a good friend. So I if, you know I'm not I have no affiliation with the Dodgers. So if anybody's gonna win, I hope that you get that uh you get that World Series for you and your team. Thank you, Kevin. Best of luck, and I'm sure we'll be talking in the future. Take care. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you heard from WCW Booker Kevin Sullivan. We thank Kevin for his input, and I want to introduce uh, former Ring of Honor and ECW heavyweight champion and uh, one of the nicest guys in this business, and that's something that's that's said a lot and uh, probably too much, but it's true on your end. Jerry Lynn, thank you for joining us, and uh, we're going to talk about your new pod. You're hopping into the podcast world with an old friend of the show, so we're going to talk about that in a minute. I got a story for you. Talk about talk about a a horseman horseman wedding. Uh, You're 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 not going to believe this one, Um, and he. And he's proud of it, so it's like it's not like I'm uh, 
great. I like Mike. Great guy. Uh, Mike Freeland, by the way, is the uh, host of the uh, Front Row Material podcast with Jerry Lynn and Mikey Whipwreck. So we'll we'll yeah. give them a couple plugs throughout the show. But before we do and we start uh, with Jerry, let's get right to uh, WCW and the famous uh, Mr. JL saga. You heard uh, what Kevin had said. And, and I, I remember my. Uh, my my favorite was Thunder Kid. I think as as Thunder Kid, you know, God knows where that could have gone. But uh, so, what were your thoughts at the time? You know, you had finally gotten quote unquote a big break, uh, and and you know they had some good ideas. It wasn't like they just you know a lot of people think they lazily just threw out Mister JL because they you know they would you know they didn't give a crap, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to get Kevin on is because I knew that wasn't true. Uh, so uh, what were your thoughts when they, you know, when you signed and you had, you know, they had a bunch of names for you and, and then what happened happened in the end? Well, you know, I had, I, uh, I put a lot of time and money into that. It cost me 1250 bucks to get all that put together. And Hey, hey, don't feel bad if you'd have bought it from Andre, the guy who did like the glacier costume and the the Wildcat Willie costume. It would cost you twelve thousand five hundred. He yeah, marked- oh, I, I I did some research into his work too. And I, <laughs> I knew I knew I couldn't afford him. He was way out of my league. A thousand percent markup was the WCW rate back then, but that's that's a whole different story. So go ahead. So you oh, you spent some money but, on a costume that looked really good. Yeah. And, uh, well, when I when I'd been talking with Brad Rangans about, you know, what I got to do to get a break in the business. Cause it's been seven years. He says, well, it's all TV now. He says, you got to come up with something visual that'll grab people's attention. And I'd been going to Japan a lot for this Lucha company. And I saw a lot of cool mask gimmicks. So I came up with the gimmick cause the power Rangers were hot at the time. Sure. So, and Brad sent it all to him, eight by tens and video footage. And they said, that's exactly what they've been looking for. So when I got there, you know, they're asking, you know, what do you want to be called? And I'm throwing out names like the Phantasm or the Cyber Knight or, you know, whatever. But when it all came down to it, they even told me, they said, well, we can't just slap a name on you without researching any copyright infringements. And that's when Kevin said his infamous line. (laughs) Well, I could bet. And I'm not looking to. I I, I got nothing to gain by 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 bullshitting or kissing anybody's ass. I was, and then we've talked about it on the show before. A couple of people have brought you up about how I was there when he 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 was as frustrated as could be and said, you know, screw it, call him, you know. And uh, I I was rooting for Thunder Kid. I think, uh, like I said in my discussion with Kevin, uh, they'd have put uh, that Thunder Kid with that outfit and your ability. Uh, you, God, you never know what's gonna what what could have happened, but it didn't. So when they when they when they gave you the quote unquote bad news, uh, what were what were your thoughts? I well, I instantly because when I first started, I did a lot of TVs for Vern and did squash matches. And when Vern, when something went like he didn't like it, he would slap himself in the head and go, geez. And that's exactly what I wanted to do at that moment. <laughs> Cause I, I even knew, I said to myself, this is the beginning of the end. But over the years, when I tell the story, I never blamed Kevin because I knew, you know, that I was just a nobody and he had to worry about, you know, Hogan, Bischoff, the NWO. I mean, there was a lot of, you know, a lot bigger stars he had to worry about, you know. So I never blamed Kevin. I even told him that uh, I think we finally 
got together at, we were at a convention together and I, we were talking and he actually even apologized to me. He says, you never got your just due. And I said, I never, I never blamed you, Kevin. I tell the story, but I knew you had bigger fish to worry about. Well, it's not only that, you know, you know, one could argue, I guess that they could have put it off for another week or two. And, 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 you know, in, in the heat of the moment, when you're producing the two hours of, of live television, three hours of live television, I forgot where we were at at that point. Uh, you know, it, it's easy to, to look back and say that, but my whole point in this is you were sort of, you were an internet darling before the internet, quite frankly, you were, uh, very well regarded in the, uh, the, the quote unquote kayfabe sheets. And we'll, we'll get to that. And a lot of that was because of, uh, uh, Wade Keller's uh, Pro Wrestling Torch being based in Minnesota and uh, you working for uh, Eddie Sharkey, and, and we'll get to that, like I said. But uh, you were very well thought of, so when you got a, your quote-unquote break, I think people were really excited, it's almost like when Bill Watts came back to WCW and then, you know, oh, this is our chance, you know, it's going to be great. And then a week later, what the hell, you know, happened? And, you know, I was, count me, I'm raising my hand right now, you can't see me, count me in as as one of those people. Uh but but I think a lot of people were pissed off at WCW or Kevin or the booking or Eric uh, because they, they they people just thought that they just gave you a stupid name and uh, that wasn't going to get over. And I just wanted to, you know, let Kevin tell a story and vouch for the fact that that's not true. And, it, you know, it, it, if they would have approved the Thunder Kid, you know, you know, like like Kevin said, like you said, and like I said, it could be a whole different you know, ball game, but it's just uh, the, the ups and downs of life. And unfortunately, I guess in hindsight, they didn't want him another mask character. Uh, well, the scary thing is that they wanted to unmask everyone. Like he was saying, they didn't understand the tradition of Lucha, sure. you know, and the history of it. And so maybe it was all <laughs> doomed to fail with the hoods anyway. Yeah. They, uh, I, I'm, and the more that I look back and read and study and talk to Eric, uh, you know, and, and, and Kevin and people in the know back then, you know, now that all the emotions, you know, gone for 15 years and, you know, it's just the facts coming out. It's, uh, they, they, you know, corporate was on a, on a, on a tear to, uh, to, to kill the company. There's no doubt in my mind, the ridiculous things that they did. And unfortunately you got caught up in, in one of those and, you know, it's folklore now and, uh, it, it all worked out at the end, but I would have uh, loved to see what a thunder kid run would have looked like, but, uh, but yeah, you never know. But I joke about it now, even when people, I'll still have fans come up which is hard to believe. They'll say, I didn't know you were Mr. Jail. And I'm thinking it wasn't <laughs> so obvious, but I'll just, and if they ask, if they say that to me, I'll go, well, no, that was uh, Jushin Liger. <laughs> so. Exactly. Hey, so before we start uh, about your career, uh, like we said, front row material with Jerry Lynn and Mikey Whipwreck, a new podcast. When does it debut? I think, they just put out something saying it's going to be next Wednesday. Next Wednesday. So good, good on you. Uh, welcome to the podcast world. It's a whole nother world that uh, uh, you'll get used to. And uh, uh, the- I don't know. I, I I swore I'd never be on social media, and now I'm on a podcast, and I have Twitter, and I think I'm uh, identifying as a high school teenage girl. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well. You know, you got to roll the punches. Who would have thought that I'd have uh, had a, a a podcast for a year and a half uh, every week? So it's a crazy new world we live in, and uh, and nostalgia is king. 
and so an ECW is part part of that nostalgia. Now, um, uh, old friend of the show, associate producer Mike Freeland is, uh, I understand, the host of of Front Row Material. Is, is was it his idea to get you guys together to do a podcast? Yes, it's his fault that I am on social media. <laughs> it's actually it's actually his fault that I'm I'm doing this podcast. So if people are offended by it in any way, blame Mike Freeland because it was his idea. Uh we just moved in opposite directions. Uh uh it was easier for me to talk to my friends, uh tell stories and 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 Mike didn't really, you know, he he wanted a bigger role. So bless him. But I, I wanted well, to we- Mikey and I need him to keep us reined in because we will get way off track. Sure. I, I was curious um, if you if he if he told you about his four horsemen wedding. No. no. And, and he's proud of this, like I said earlier. So we're, we're this is nothing against Mike. We love you, Mike. Uh, so he got married to a wonderful young lady. And this is about two, a year and a half ago. I want to say now two years ago. And. He had a Ric Flair Four Horsemen themed wedding where um, his wedding party, the best man was Arn. He was Rick. The best man was Arn. Then he had a Tully, a Barry Windham, and a JJ. So, like, they all had distinct roles. Like, uh, not, not will you be in my wedding party, but will you be in my wedding party and be JJ Dillon of the Four Horsemen? And, uh, and so. They all had walked in with uh, with with belts around with uh, championship belts around their waist or over their shoulders. Now this is his wedding, and and uh, you think I'm kidding, don't you? Well, I'm just wondering how he talked his wife into letting this happen. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's the main thing. They they the, the the wedding party came into the old four horsemen theme, and then he came down to uh, Ric Flair's entrance music. And then, of course, here comes the bride, and and she came down, and and then and that was the end. They put their belts down, and they went at it. Um, the 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 fun little piece of trivia on that is he was planning on wearing a Ric Flair robe down to the to the altar when he got married, and his wife, who was okay with the belts and the music and the 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 Arn and the JJ and then and everybody. He, God bless her. She must be a wonderful person, special place in heaven. She put her foot down. She threw the flag at the at the robe. She said, you're not well, wearing a Ric Flair robe, so God bless her. Maybe he wanted to wear underneath the robe what Flair would have been wearing, <laughs> which would have been nothing. I've seen that gimmick many times, and uh, I don't know, but, if, Mike, if you could make that work uh, in, in, the, in the vein of Ric Flair, then God bless you. Then now we know why she put up with all the horseman bullshit. I don't know how. My, my <laughs> wife was a wrestling fan since she was little, and I actually met her at the fairgrounds in Nashville. And uh, there's no way she'd let me get away with something like that. Yeah. Although I I did ask her because next year is our 15th anniversary. And I asked her if we want to get her wedding vows renewed because we got married in Gatlinburg. I said, you want to go there and do that? She said, sure. She says, but I want to be married by an Asian Elvis. I'm like, I don't think we're going to find that in Gatlinburg. We're going to have to go to Vegas for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love it. Asian Elvis. Uh, so that's a, that's 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 right up there with the four horsemen theme wedding and an Asian Asian Elvis. But uh, yeah, so you got you got to uh, rib uh, rib Mike a little bit about his four horsemen wedding. He's also a connoisseur of baked goods. Uh, so uh, lemon bars. He specializes in lemon bars. So oh. uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just had I just had some. Oh, what was it? Oh, we went to 
everything bundt cakes and they had a lemon one it was amazing oh but he's he's big into baked goods he bakes all the time it's it's one of his favorite things to do and um he's proud of that too so he's proud of his four horsemen wedding uh, he's proud of the fact oh and he openly admits that his wife that he's totally whipped and that his wife calls the shots and he just obeys so well that's me too i'm whipped but i'm gonna i'm gonna tell him to send me some baked goods then so you're whipped and 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 you like baked goods. So now I know why you guys get along so well. Well, I got to have something with the coffee. <laughs> there you go. I don't drink coffee, so Oh. But uh so so good luck on your podcast and um uh I'm sure that the, there's great stories there with between you and Mikey and Oh, and- Mikey's the funniest person I've met in the business. Really? He's, oh, he's, he, you just don't even know. He's hilarious. And so I got it easy. I'm I'm kind of the, you know, I can sit back and listen to him go and just start laughing my butt off. Whenever we got together in the locker room and stuff, we'd turn into Beavis and Butthead. So, or and, a couple of giggling schoolgirls. So, and, and that's why pod, those kind of podcasts work so well. And that's why me talking, you know, telling stories with my friends, I knock on wood, seem, people seem to dig it is because uh, you're just doing, you know, what I tell pe- people is, 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 the same conversations I'd be having if me and you were driving on a three hour drive from one town to another is the kind of conversation that, you know, uh, that, that I want to have each and every week with whoever my guest is. So, and, 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 and people dig that and they'll dig the, the, the camaraderie that you guys have and the, the, the organic, uh, um, relationship that you guys have. So I'm, I'm looking forward to checking it out. I'm assuming it's available wherever podcasts, uh, drop. Yes. And I think it's starting next Wednesday and we're going to try and, you know, throw some other stuff in it, like different segments and stuff and just, just have fun with it. Sure. Like Mikey said, he sort of wants it to be like uh, uh, Howard Stern without the sex and fart jokes, but I'm sure we'll be throwing in fart jokes. (laughs) So, So, uh, uh, this drops uh, on Monday uh, morning, so it's this Wednesday. You can check out the first episode of Front Row Material, hosted by Mike Freeland with Jerry Lynn and Mikey Whipwreck. Uh, you came up in Minnesota. Uh, I, I sort of mentioned that um, a little bit about the early days of the PW, uh, Pro Wrestling Torch, and you and Sean Waltman both got a lot of coverage uh, from the Eddie Sharkey shows uh due to uh, Wade Keller and him being a regular at those shows is uh, how instrumental was that in sort of getting your names out? I, it must've been good because like you said, there was no internet back then. I mean, there were no cell phones, there was nothing. It was, so it was hard to get word out and just to get more work. I actually would uh, have eight by tens. I'd make a resume and get, a VHS tape of some stuff and mail it. I'd try and get addresses to these different companies and mail them out. It was just like applying for a job. It was a lot harder to get the word out back then. Yeah. And I don't know how many subscribers back then Wade had, he was just starting out, but, um, uh, but yeah, I was one of them. And, uh, he, you know, you could tell by how much that he talked up you and Sean, a couple of the other guys, but especially you two that, uh, it made, the, the readers at least want to see what all the hype was about. So it, it was sort of, like I said, the, like you said, the internet before the internet. And gave, I think it gave you guys an advantage for old fogies like me, you and Sean are connected for like the first two or three years of your career. Uh, when you look back, how much do you each credit 
uh, the other with your both successes? Oh, uh, I think without either one of us, you know, I think both of our careers may not have gone anywhere because back then, you know, it was still land of the giants and there was a lot of guys and Sean and I, we'd get together every day. I told Sean this a couple of years ago, I ran into him and uh, I told him, I said to this day, uh, our feud was some of my favorite work in my entire career because we would get together every, just about every day. And we'd watch whatever we could get our hands on. We'd watch Mexico, we'd watch England, we'd watch Japan tapes, anything we'd get our hands on. And when we would hit the ring, we had the people believing we hated each other's guts. So I told them that's still some of my favorite work, even though it was early on in our career and we really didn't know what we were doing. But uh, uh, so I think, and and there was a lot of big guys then. And I've heard, I've had guys tell me they didn't want to work with Sean because he was too small. And they, so they probably felt the same way about me because there's a lot of shows I walked into just indie shows where guys would give me a look like, what are you doing here? You know, and you didn't feel very welcome. So, and, and when Sean and I met and got together, we just, I mean, we both loved every style of wrestling. We try and implement all of it together in our matches and we wanted to uh, kick it up a notch and make it more fun for us instead of just doing hip tosses and arm drags. Yeah, you can't. You can't. I can't overstate for those who who are listening who weren't uh, fans back then or didn't read the Pro Wrestling Torch. Uh, I can't overstate how much uh, uh, you guys really, the two of you, and your feud, uh, your rivalry became really like the first trending uh, uh, topic in in quote-unquote, uh, social media based on uh, the Pro Wrestling Torch to where readers want, were anxious to see who these two kids were and, and, and to see what they were doing that was so highly talked about by Wade and his friends uh, in the newsletter. Um, is it true that you were the last challenger for the AWA Heavyweight Championship? Gosh, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. That, that, that's what it says. I read that on uh, good old Wikipedia. You know, the, the uh, AWA. Yeah, it said that the last uh, challenge that uh, Jer- that Larry Zbysko had for the AWA title before he went to WCW and the company fell apart was was against you. I'm- it may have because I wrestled Larry twice uh, at TV tapings. Uh, Tom Burton and I, we'd go pick up the ring. We'd bring it to the Rochester Mayo Civic Center. We'd set it up. We'd wrestle a few squash matches. We'd tear the ring down and bring it back. And I wrestled Larry a couple times. There you go. So there's like a cool trivia question. Who was the last challenger for Larry Zabisco's world title? Uh, just uh, what? Just to put a, a cherry at the at the top of the Sunday as far as the, you got you and, uh, and Sean Waltman and how it went uh, – how it went uh, viral. It's so, it, it very much like uh, Kenny Omega went viral in the last year with a uh, year and a half with Dave Meltzer just raving about him. Of course, as a different platform and social media, but very similar. Do you, do you look back and see similarities in, in, in your organic uh, uh, rise with uh, Sean to the, you know, what happened with Kenny Omega in the last, you know, year and a half? Um. I think his is a lot. Well, I don't know. He's been wrestling quite a while. All of a sudden, he just took off. And I wrestled. I wrestled Kenny. Gosh, years and years ago on an indie out east. I think I can't remember the town, but I remember 
uh, that I worked with him. And when I saw him, how hot he was in Japan, I was like, well, good for him. He's a really nice guy, really humble and down to earth. But I don't know. I I'd, I'd never really kept an eye on his career or anything because it was hard while you're on the road working all the time. And, you know, you don't see everyone's work until once they hit the limelight and start getting a lot of attention. Yeah, well, Meltzer, what what happened was Meltzer ended up giving one of his matches in Japan six stars, and it has always been one through five stars, and that's a whole other discussion if I ever get Dave Meltzer on this podcast because it always bugged me what the difference between, like, a half a star and a quarter of a star was. But uh, but he gave he gave uh, Kenny Omega match six stars against, uh, I want to say, Okada. And... Um, and 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 all of a sudden, all his uh, his you know readers were like, "Holy crap! What the hell was this? It's we've never had a six star match in the history of the Observer newsletter." So it really. St- I have, I have, but it was out of ten stars. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I'm sure you've had some six star matches. Uh, you know, that's a that's that that's a whole other conversation we could have on on the whole star system, but that's, that's what got his, uh, his, his interest up. And I remember when new Japan did its first uh, U S show, I was actually working as an announcer for impact wrestling at the time. And I was sitting at the hotel, uh, waiting to do, uh, that night. And, uh, they had, a uh, their debut on axis and, uh, cable television. And I part, there was a part of me that wanted to, be disappointed by Kenny Omega just because, you know, all these fans, you know, a lot of times if all these fans say something is like incredible, uh, you know, they're over, they're overdoing it. You know, they just get, they, they get too excited. I wanted to hate, you know, hate, hate, hate the talent, but, uh, I was amazed. He was every good as, uh, every bit as good as advertised for sure. And, uh, and, and look at what, how it's, it's taken off now, uh, with all in and, and everything that's happened in between. So in the early days, you got to uh, travel uh, to Mexico and to Japan a little bit. Tell me about the experiences overseas as a Not young. As- I've only been to Mexico once, and that was near the end days. And I was injured and couldn't wrestle. So I brought a friend to take my place, Showtime Scott Summers. And then uh, I just managed. But uh, um, Japan, I was uh I was surprised, you know, it was always a goal to be able to get to Japan, of course. You know, you want to travel the world. Sure. But uh, uh, Bruce Kreitzman, the referee, was going over there and refing for a lucha group. And he was he told Wally Yamaguchi about us. So Wally actually flew to the States and refed one of our matches at Ropers, the bar we ran once a month. And I guess he liked what he saw and brought Sean and I over there for the lucha company in japan and made us a heel tag team to go against well now they're called uh jado and gato right and then it was takayama and i forget uh, i forget their real names now but so we and they were fun to work with they really enjoyed the american style they're big fans of the american style and uh so that's how it all started going to japan all right. Well, I don't know how to edit Wikipedia, but somebody needs to get on and do it because I'm reading verbatim. Uh, in December 1993, he returned to Japan for a tour of Mikinuchu Pro Wrestling. In July 1994, he went to Mexico under the masked alter ego Sultan Gargola for CMLL. Well, they're and- wrong. What happened was 
when the Universal Pro, that Uchistal company, went under, all the green boys over there was like Sasuke, Takamichinoku, um, I can't remember the others, but they went and formed Michinoku and started their own company. Right. Well, because I'd worked with them already and Sean and I'd worked with them and we'd known them already, they brought me over a few times. And when they, they wanted me to come over and wrestle in their mask man tournament, but they wanted me to wear their mask and it was Gorgota cross. And I didn't know what it was. I, all I, you know, and so I, at the time I was, I was getting the JL outfit made. It was only partially finished and the people I was having make the outfit didn't know how to make a mask. So I brought the outfit over to show Sasuke and ask him if the, he could get a mask made for the outfit. But he said, please wear your outfit, but wear our mask with it. So I did. And then what was cool was at the end of the tour, Sasuke handed me a mask to go with my outfit. And it was the JL mask. And I said, how much? He said, presento for you. And I, I thought, wow. And then he had it made by the, like the top mask maker in Japan. And that thing would have probably cost 350 bucks. And he just gave it to me as a present. That was so cool of him. Very cool. All right, we need to get Wikipedia cleaned up. Uh, so you, <laughs> yes. you uh, I, I never trust it, but I never have any reason to believe that that all this time that they would have said you went to EMLL and uh, CMLL and you didn't. But uh, my apologies. So you moved to ECW toward after WCW towards the end of, of of that promotions run. How challenging was that? You're you're getting your first major push in the U.S. You had a little bit of a uh, underneath push in WCW, um, but the company seems to be crumbling financially. How how challenging was that? How how much fun was that? Because you talk about sitting in the dressing room with Mikey Whipwreck telling stories, so it couldn't have been. It, it it sounded like it was fun. Oh, ECW was a blast, and you know, at first, um, I would ask permission. I'd try and come up. I was trying to be creative. I was trying to be creative and come up with old spots that people hadn't seen before. And, and I started, I, a couple times I asked permission for some spots and I get shot down. So uh, I think just incredible. And I had a big two out of three falls match at the arena in Philly. And I told Justin for the show, I said, we're not going to ask permission to do anything. We're going to go out there and just do what we do. And that's the first time we busted out the top rope Frankensteiner through the table to the floor and the place just came unglued. And after that, I didn't get yelled at or anything. So I just did whatever I wanted after that and had fun because there was so much freedom. Sure. Did you have any uh, ideas that, uh, that, that, you know, people always ask me in WCW, when did you realize that things were falling apart? Did you have any ideas that ECW was, uh, was, was uh, falling apart? Oh, yeah. There's times where the checks started bouncing here and there, you know, and, and you could tell, and it, you know, it was frustrating because it was a company I enjoyed working for and we were killing ourselves trying to, you know, keep it alive. And, you know, the problem was too, was every time people would get hot, you'd add WCW or WWF start doing talent raids. Right. And then Paul E was forced to sign what guys he didn't want to lose to better money, but the money wasn't there, you know, and that was the problem. Now, did you ever travel under a bereavement fair? 
No. Okay, because those are my favorite stories about how uh, certain guys would have. This was before you had to show ID to get on an airplane, of course. Uh, oh. And uh, uh, certain guys towards the end would he uh, Paul would find out people in their cities who had passed and buy bereavement fares uh, under uh, the same name, not the same name, but like a similar same last name, and saying that they had to travel acting like they um, they were uh, they, they were going to a funeral. They had to be depressed. <laughs> right. How, how'd, how'd you feel when it was over? I know when WCW's over, I was, I was, part of me was devastated. Part of me was relieved. How'd you feel? But I had eight months severance pay. So which one WCW or it, no, but how, I'm, I'm just saying how I felt. Uh, oh, how did you feel when ECW was over? I was angry because of getting screwed out of a lot of money, but you know, uh, time heals all wounds. Does it patch things up with Polly? We're good. It really does. Uh, you know, I people always ask me about the bad times in WCW, and they've all gone away. And I, I, I remember them, but I just think of the good times. I actually told Polly. I said I wish I could. We would have had more time to work together because he was so creative, and um, you know, he came up with uh, edgy stuff. You know, groundbreaking stuff. Sure. So after ECW, you had a little brief run with WWE. How is that different? Everybody that I speak to on this podcast, whether they love going to WWE or they hated being in WWE, uh, they all say it's by far it's different than any other place they ever worked before. Would you agree with that sentiment? The only thing different about it was when you went to do uh, personal appearances and stuff, you got treated like a professional. They'd pick you up in a limo, take you there in a limo. You know, you you got treated, you know, they put you up in a hotel, whatever. But, uh, you know, for me, it was bad timing again, because right after I got there, uh, they bought WCW. So now you had twice as many people as you needed. And a lot of those guys were already built up superstars. So about six months in, I got hurt, needed knee surgery. And I knew I was very expendable. And the doctor said I'd be out six months. And Johnny Ace calls me three months after my surgery asking if I'm ready to come back. And I said, no, the doctor said six months. And then a week later, I got my walking papers in the mail. So it was it was very, you know, it wasn't good for me. Now, granted, other people have great experiences there, but me, I didn't. So. So you, you, you go to TNA, and you're the, the last match ever of Larry Zabisco's AWA ring and the first match ever on uh, of TNA. Uh, Don West still to this day talks about how he didn't know what to expect, and the ring broke before the first match, and they had to stall. And then uh, you and I believe uh, AJ, I want to say you, AJ, and Amazing Red against the Flying Elvises. Would that be right? Uh, I think it was... Me, AJ, and Low Key. Low Key, that's right, against the Flying Elvises. First match in TNA. Tell me about the early days of, of TNA, of, of what was called at the time NWA TNA. I, I loved it. It was fun because instead of um, – they were doing more – and probably because of Jerry, Jerry Jarrett, they were doing more old-school storytelling and furthering the angles in fun ways like uh, AJ and I in our feud – one of us would jump the other one in catering or, and then there was a little restaurant down the road, just a few blocks from the building that 
they had catering that sometimes. And one time I was leaving the building and the camera crew wanted to interview me. And I told him, come, you got to come with me. And as soon as we got there, AJ's coming out the door and I jumped him. So we were doing fun stuff like the old NWA when the horseman would jump Dusty in the parking lot, you know, stuff like that. Instead of just having two guys in the ring with mics trying to out funny each other. And that's what made it fun was furthering angles that way. But then it all changed. (laughs) Tell me about that. How did it change? Was that have to do with the move to Orlando? No, no, it was before then. It was when, I don't know, it just started, it started feeling like WCW on its last leg again. Well, they had that. God, if that was their last leg, they've had a hell of a a run on their last leg. Uh, Well, luckily, I don't know. I don't know. It, It just, it started getting frustrating. So they moved to Orlando. Uh, you got injured and they made you, correct me if I'm wrong, they made you a road agent, uh, an agent for a while, correct? Yes. Yes. So that was nice because uh, I had a tendon tore off in my rotator cuff. So that put me out for nine months. And that's cool. I mean, that's cool that uh, who is the one who went to bat for you to uh, to bring in as, a, as an agent? Do you know? I have no idea. I'm just glad they did it because I needed a paycheck to you know, support the family. Did a light bulb go off in your head? Uh, you know, that, that this is, uh, it, when, when, and if, you know, my wrestling career is over, this is something that I could do to, to, to impose my wisdom onto other, uh, younger talent at the time. Yeah. I mean, now it doesn't because I don't want to be on the road full time anymore. I enjoy being at home. Sure. Absolutely. I understand that. Um, so you went to, after TNA, you went to Ring of Honor, uh, won the Ring of Honor championship from, I believe, Nigel McGinnis. Is that correct? Yeah. Nigel was awesome. I loved wrestling Nigel. You and TNA, I'm assuming, left on good terms or no? No. <laughs> uh, well, when I started wrestling for him again, they were trying to make everyone sign these amendments to their contracts where you couldn't work for indies that had DVDs, uh, TV, iPay-per-views, which is all indies, pretty much. Right. have either one or all of the above. And then they would tell me, well, they were using me, and they'd just tell me, well, creative has nothing for you. So you're telling me you're not going to use me, and you're telling me I can't work anywhere else. So I just asked for my release. And you go to Ring of Honor. Uh, We had Frankie Kazarian on last uh Last uh, week, similar story, and went to Ring of Honor. I'm assuming that that was a much uh, more fun uh, environment to be around? Oh, yeah. You know, there's a lot of free. It was hard because I was getting up there in age. I wasn't in my 30s anymore, and I had to keep up with all these younger guys, and the bar had been raised so high on what it took to win a match there. I mean, you're taught when you go – get trained in camp and stuff to bump in the sweet part of the ring. But these guys are bumping on the apron, bumping on the floor. I'm just like, Oh my gosh, what is going on here? So you worked a lot with Tyler black in ring of honor. Um, did you have any premonition as, as somebody who had been an agent who had, who knew the business uh, 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 at that point was a, was a seasoned veteran. Uh, did you have any idea that he would have turned out to be one of the, uh, top guys in the wrestling business. And for those who don't know who we're talking about, uh, it's uh, he is Seth Rollins now in WWE. I actually had wrestled 
um, Tyler before he went to Ring of Honor in uh, AAW in Chicago sure. and in uh, Davenport, Iowa on a couple indies out there too. So I'd worked with him quite a few times before Ring of Honor. So I, I knew what he could do and he was a great talent and a great athlete and yeah, you could put together some great stuff with him. And I always enjoyed working with him and, you know, he had the height, he had the looks, he, you know, he looks the part and, it didn't surprise me at all when he finally got picked up. So off the air, we're talking a little bit about uh, about getting heat in uh, 2018, and that's been an ongoing sort of subject that we've discussed on and off uh, on this uh, podcast. Uh, and you were talking about uh, about your opinion on on how hard it is to get heat uh, these days. I, I think we were talking about this Seth Rollins uh, and Dean Ambrose angle at the end of Raw, and how some people were turned off by it. I'm just curious to get your take as uh, as a veteran of the business. Well, if all the parties are involved, agree with it, and have no problem with it, I you know, uh, and if you know, I don't see what the big deal is. What what gets me is how everyone will criticize professional wrestling but they won't criticize TV or Hollywood or movies when they do the same, or actually they do worse. You know what I mean? I mean, sure. you've got primetime shows on TV like CSI and stuff showing in grisly detail how murders and rapes are committed, but they'll, they won't say nothing about that, but they'll always criticize wrestling, even though they're the first ones to come out and say, well, wrestling's fake. Well, then why are you having a problem with it? It's just another form of entertainment but they won't criticize, you know, worse stuff. Yeah. I was thinking, you know, about when they did the, the, unfortunately what happened to Roman and then they did the turn at the end after they won the tag team titles this past uh, Monday night. And, uh, I, I don't watch like this is us. I know my wife watches it and all our friends watch it and everybody, a lot of people watch it. Uh, but I know it's similar, like a soap opery kind of uh, thing. And I was wondering if, if a character on this is us had uh, was diagnosed with cancer and, and th- there, that person's brother walked out on his wife because of the stress, you know, as part of a storyline, would people be all up in arms? Uh, and, and it sort of goes with what you're saying about other other forms of entertainment. Uh, you know, I, I don't I, I, I can't imagine anyone would care. It's just part of the story that, you know, and, and especially because the story hasn't been told yet. I mean, look what goes on in daytime soap operas. I'm a closet and, general hospital guy. I got to well, say. You go. So there's always, you know, angles with people with horrible diseases and end up in hospitals. Then you got people screwing around with each other's wives and husbands. And it's like, but that's acceptable. You know, <laughs> that's what's frustrating. But these are the same people who say, well, wrestling's fake. But if something happens that they don't like, boy, they're all up in arms. Now, I will draw the line on certain things. When your demographic is children and you're trying to sell them your toys and all your products and you have something like someone simulating sex in a casket with a corpse, that, that's a little too far. Just a bit. Yeah. Uh you were mentioning earlier off the off the air that uh, that it, it's, it's even more difficult to get heat in 2018 as a as a heel because or even in a match because the curtain has been pulled back and everybody knows what's going on and there's no real mystery behind it and you're absolutely right about that. Uh, give me give me a little thoughts about that. 
how difficult that is. Well, yeah, it's a lot harder now that, you know, it's like when you go see a magician, but you know all how the tricks are done. Well, you're not really going to get into it, you know, as much and be so amazed. And, you know, if, and you get a lot of, I don't know how I should say this. I'll probably wrinkle a lot. I'll probably piss off some people, but you do have the people who are uh, smart about the business and they'll show up, but they're not there to go with it and have fun because they're too smart to be worked. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I understand. And you know, if you're going to go have fun with it, there's, I've always, when people say, what's so great about pro wrestling? I say, well, if you see it live, it's a lot different than on TV because you're part of the show. Sure. And there's a unique relationship between the wrestlers and the fans because the wrestlers feed off the fans' energy and we're more willing to go out there and kill ourselves for you. And that's why uh, I would wrestle them. I'd rather wrestle in front of 50 people who are going crazy instead of 5,000 who are dead silent. And that- plus... Uh, where else can you go and jump up and down, yell and scream at the top of your lungs, verbally abuse someone and not get kicked out? <laughs> and that behavior is highly encouraged. Now I know why, I'm, why, why I became such a fan all those years ago. You just kind of wrapped it up in a bow there. Right. Where else can you do that? <laughs> Nowhere. It's 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 a great give and take relationship between the wrestlers and the fans. The fans are part of the show. Sure. Yeah, we, and we've talked about in the past. If you're offended by something a company does, that's that. I, 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 you know, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. But just don't support them. Don't go. Turn the channel. Yeah, ex- exactly. You know, I, I, I look. This is a free country. Everybody can do what they want. You could love it. You could hate it. You could. You could. Uh, you could be offended. Uh, but you have the opportunity, like you said, turn off the channel. Don't spend your hard-earned money. Don't go and 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 find something else that you like and. uh but it's a it's a crazy world we live in, Jerry. We sound like a couple old fogies bitching about. <laughs> like I said, it's a free country, but you have so many people wanting to control what everyone else does and thinks. <laughs> oh, I got a. But it's I think it's because of the internet. Everyone's really brave behind a keyboard, but not to your face. Yeah, my wife called social media the Antichrist. <laughs> That's a good way. Describing it, it's uh, it's certainly given a ugly voice to people who don't have to. Uh, you know, it, it's like, you know, you talked about going to a, where else could you go to a wrestling show and, and, and yell and scream and, and curse and, and call people names and, and, and that's encouraged. And, uh, I think the only other place is called Twitter. <laughs> and then, you know, and we're getting a little off talk about uh, talking about how hard it is to get heat. There's wrestlers. Well, I, I forgot to mention this for first. I said there's promoters who don't really want real heat because I've been on a lot of shows where a heel will go out there and get the crowd so riled up and so mad. The promoter will come back in the locker room and tell that heel to go out there and apologize to the crowd. Well, you don't want that. That's what you want. That's the object is to get them so all riled up. So they'll come back and buy another ticket to see that heel get his butt kicked. Exactly. Get that. If if you if the heels come out and apologize, and the fans have already gotten the payoff. Yeah. You I mean, want? It's not even really a payoff, really. No, no. But you got that instead of having that baby face beaten down on the next show, saying, you know, oh, basically, it, it, not saying, but in action, going, 
now you're paying for what you did to that audience last week or last month or whatever. You got the, the, the heel coming out going, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. Just kidding. It's a work. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't, I don't get it. Uh, I, I, I hate that. I don't want to sound like a couple of fogies bitching about the way of the world, but, uh, uh, I, I just don't understand it. And, and, and I appreciate you chiming in on that. We weren't planning on talking about it, but it's, it's sort of as people who are regular uh, listeners to this podcast, though, it's been a regular uh, uh, topic uh, of, of conversation about getting heat in professional wrestling in 2018 and beyond. And it's becoming more and more difficult, especially when you do a, a, a perfectly God, God, bless Roman Reigns, and I, I think that everybody, whether they love him as a wrestler or hate him as a wrestler, I think everybody agrees that everybody's praying for him and want to see him get better real soon. But you're, you're, you're handed an angle that you're, you're, I think they were going to do it anyway in a few weeks where their Dean was going to turn on, on, but you're handed a per, uh, you know, timing to do an angle with real emotion to it. And, and, uh, and, and, you know, there's people that are angry that you took advantage of that. And uh, well, like I said, if you ask all the parties involved and if Roman was cool with it, you know, then it, it really the angle had nothing to do with Roman other than the fact well, that see, I didn't know. I didn't see it. So I didn't know yeah. if it had anything to do with him or not. Well, they had dedicated the match to him and they were going to win the tag team titles. Then they won him and Dean turned and it was a pretty vicious turn. Like I said, uh, you know, we still don't know why. Maybe maybe he's dealing with his grief over his one of his best friends in anger where where Rollins is, is dealing with it in emotion. And maybe well, that's... maybe it was for shock value or surprise, because nowadays everything's so telegraphed and predictable. So it'll be once in a while. It's nice to see a surprise, you know. No, I, I fully agree. And look, the people that don't agree, uh, I'm not saying that they're wrong. There's no right and wrong. Everybody has their own opinion. Uh, I'm just saying that I don't, I don't, I don't agree with you. And uh, but God bless uh, the right to have your opinion. And and if you don't want to turn it on tonight on uh, on on US, is it still on USA, Jerry? Jeez, a DVR, and you forget what your DVR, and after a while, it just it shows up every Monday night. Uh, for those who don't want to watch on USA, then then don't watch. Hey, I appreciate the frank conversation about that. It's been an ongoing on and off topic, and uh, I think it's important for the future of this business uh, in uh, in a more increasingly political correct uh, world that we live in. Uh, it's not really a politically correct business. I think you said. Well, the object of the business is to get the people emotionally involved, right? You know, and and sometimes that means angering them. Well, I've always said one good heel with a lot of heat is worth more than a dozen baby faces. Absolutely. You are very smart, wise beyond your years, Mr. Lynn. And I knew that before we spoke, but I appreciate your honesty. I want to wrap up uh, with uh, talking about you went on uh, a retirement tour. Uh, I'm assuming and we haven't spoken about this, but I'm assuming your body was just time to, to stop. Oh, yeah. I ended up finding out the last few years I wrestled, I could have been paralyzed. My neck was that bad. Oh, geez. God bless you. Thank God. Um, and I, I know God was watching out for me. So your last match was a blast from the past in Minneapolis with Sean Waltman and a couple of the JB Trask, I want to say, and Horace, the psychopath, a bunch of uh, uh, four names from back in the, the Eddie Sharkey days in the, in, in when, uh, when we all, this all began our conversation when Wade Keller was your biggest fans, uh, how, how was that kind of full circle moment to kind of go out 
the way you came in. Uh, and it was it it was weird. It just sort of all fell together that way. Because at first, I I, did, I had no idea where I wanted my retirement match. I was thinking out east during a bigger indie show, you know. Sure. And then a friend of mine in Minneapolis said, "Have you thought about where you're going to do it at?" And I said, "No, I thought somewhere out east." And she says, "Well, Heavy D wants to promote it. Why don't you just do it here? It's where it started. Why don't you end it here?" And Heavy D is a promoter that does heavy on wrestling, and he always draws good houses. And so when they told me that, I, that sealed the deal. I said, all right, if he's going to, if he wants to promote it, I know, I knew he would do it right. So and then I had no idea who I'd want my last match to be with. And someone was saying, well, you should do it with Sean, you know? Sure. And then sort of the light bulb went off and I thought, well, why not? I knew, uh, Sean was still wrestling. I knew JB Trask was still wrestling. I knew Horace was still wrestling. I thought, why not do it with three guys I had feuds on, feuds with early in my career? And so I thought, let's just have a four-way and go out there and be silly and have fun with it. Get the gang back together. Yeah, and then Sean tore his butthole open. (laughs) Oh, is that the match? Yes. (laughs) Oh, God bless. Uh, Poor thing. That was the did he was able was he able to celebrate you with you or did he have to? Oh, he came to the after party and he had a nice track suit on and stuff. And I'm talking to him. All of a sudden, he puts his hand back by his butt, pulls it out, and there's blood. Ouch! In his hand, I said, "You better get to the hospital." And so he left, and I didn't know, but he went to the hotel room first. And he, he told me later, he finally. I think he, I don't know if he called an ambulance or if he went to the hospital himself, but he said the hotel room looked like a murder scene. He'd lost so much blood. Oh my God. Thank God that he, uh, he finally yeah. went to the hospital. Um, right. yeah, I don't, I've heard that story just, uh, over the internet. I've never heard anybody that was there. God bless. Uh, but, but, but that said, it was, I'm assuming a full circle moment for you and, and, a, and a great way to go out. Uh, you still, uh, I know at one point you went back as a road agent for Ring of Honor. Are you still doing that? Are you? No, I, I, I'd only done like uh, one or one shot or something like that. But, oh, here's another tidbit. Here's what made the retirement show kind of special too and nostalgic was he had it at the Minneapolis Convention Center, which is the, the site of the old Minneapolis Auditorium where there's a lot of history in the AWA there. So, it all kind of fell together really cool. That's cool. Not everybody gets to go out on their own uh, on their own uh, terms, and and you did. Do you, uh, do you miss anything about wrestling? And if you do, what is it? Um, people ask me if I miss wrestling, like getting in the ring, and I say no. And the only time I wished I was still wrestling was at that All In show in Chicago because it was just amazing. But yeah, you miss when when you're when you have a really hot crowd that's just up for everything, and that's the way ECW everywhere went was. The crowd was just they were there just to have a good time, and I miss being in front of crowds like that. But um, I don't miss being in the ring. But and when I do go do these conventions and personal appearances and stuff, or go do a guest ref gig or a seminar. Everywhere I go, it's it's like a family reunion. You see the same wrestlers you've known for 20-some years. You see the younger guys coming up that were like your kids on the road watching them grow up. And then 
the amazing thing too is you see the same fans you've seen for the last 20 25 years it's just amazing it's like a big family it absolutely is and uh i did not get to see the all-in show but i was at starcast uh for the first three days and had to go hit the last, what was supposed to be the last ever Skinner concert at the Jacksonville football stadium that I had bought tickets to uh, months before. And of course, as with everything, uh, it wasn't the last show. They're going to keep on rolling. Oh, so, good. Cause I finally got to see them. I think right before they tore down the amphitheater here in Nashville and I'd never seen them before. And it was like seeing a piece of Americana. It was amazing. Isn't it? Isn't it? Uh, yeah, uh, they're actually a couple of those guys are friends of mine. Uh, Ricky Medlock and uh, to lesser extent, uh, Johnny Van Zandt are big wrestling fans and we're big WCW Monday night Nitro fans. And, uh, I was sort of their hookup into, uh, getting them into wherever, you know, whenever they were in the same city or whatever. So they'd always take care of us backstage and all that. I didn't bother them in Jacksonville. That was their hometown and supposed to be their final show. But, um, but great guys. Well, if they come to Nashville, I'm calling you. Okay. Well, see, the funny thing is, they all, they all, Ricky has family in Tampa where I live. So whenever I call, I've, I've stopped uh, calling him because we text about wrestling still. But I've cut, I've stopped bothering him about coming backstage because he's always like, I'm so sorry. I only got 20 passes and I've given them to all my family. And, you know, sure, I want you to, you know, family comes first. And, um, and so, uh, but Nashville. Although I think he lives in Nashville now, uh, but I uh, don't believe he has a lot of family. I will try my hardest, but they're great guys, and I'm sure if you get a chance to go backstage and meet them, they will treat you like a king. And they still put on a hell of a show. And uh, oh, yeah. uh, Although I would have liked to have seen All In if I knew they were still going to be, uh, be touring. But uh, like I've said before, KISS had their farewell tour 10 years ago, and, and in t- next year they're having their final farewell tour. <laughs> so, 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 it, uh, just, just as somebody who's uh, retired in the pro wrestling business, just remember, uh, retirements never happen. No, I've always said that you never fully get out of the business. We had Terry Funk on a couple of uh, a, a couple of, like a month ago now, and uh, I, I said, Terry, you know, am, am I going to see you in a year and a half doing a moonsault off uh, on an indie show? And he goes, God, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. It was it was it was great. So and he's retired more times than uh, than Skinner and Kiss put together, and uh, the Eagles. Anyway, we I'll hook you up with uh, tickets if I could. Uh, and uh, they are great in concert. If anybody has an opportunity to see them, because at some point uh, they will have to stop when uh, when um, Gary Rossington uh, stops touring. That is the deal. Anyway, uh, best to you, Jerry. Uh, 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 front row material with Jerry Lynn and Mikey Whipwreck, hosted by Mike Freeland, drops uh, this coming Wednesday, uh, wherever podcasts are found. So be sure to check that out. And uh, you're on Twitter now, so plug your Twitter handle. Um, at It's Jerry Lynn. At It's Jerry Lynn. All right. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Good luck in your podcast, and we'll stay in touch for sure. Thank you for uh, for your honest observations about, about the business uh, of yesteryear and uh, of in, in 2018. Good, good oh, stuff. Good Thanks stuff. for having me on. And, and please, that. and please rib the hell out of Mike. He's a great guy and he, he likes, <laughs> he likes it. He likes it. It makes, he, he feels over when he gets ribbed. So, uh, All right. and, and, and lemon bars, don't forget the lemon bars are supposed to be to die for. 
Oh, he's going to be baking for me. <laughs> I love it. And the funny thing is, is he doesn't even know that I have you on this week. So he's, uh, he, it's, uh, uh, it, uh so it's, uh, he has no idea this is coming, but, um, I'm sure he'll love every na- time his name is mentioned. He will, uh, he will eat it up. So, uh, Mike, Best of luck on, on your podcast with Jerry Lynn and Mikey Whipwreck. And best of luck to you once again. And uh, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll catch up uh, down the road at one of these conventions. Oh, yeah. I'll be at uh, Starcade in uh, Winston-Salem, North Carolina this year. Uh, I won't, but have fun. It's a fun oh. con- It's a fun. Con- no, I won't be at that one, but it's a fun convention. And, uh, and uh, I did it a couple of years ago, and you'll have a blast. The hotel's right down like a, a block down from the building. and uh, Oh, awesome. Yeah, it's, it's my first time, so yeah, it's, it'll be a good time. It's a first-class operation, and uh, the guy, the guy's great. So uh, enjoy StarCast, and if you are going to StarCast, that's your opportunity to see uh, Jerry Lynn up close and personal. Jerry Lynn, thank you again, and uh, best to your family. All right, thank you. I want to thank Jerry Lynn for his time and honesty, and good luck on his podcast. Uh, I want to thank Kevin Sullivan for hopping on at the last minute and uh, telling the story of Mr. JL. That's uh, a goal we've always had here is to get Jerry Lynn on and have Kevin tell the story of Mr. JL and put a uh, period at the end of that sentence and people can move on now uh, to more important things. So speaking of important things, I want to remind you that if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can hit me up at David Penzer. Uh, if you want to follow the show at Penzer Ringside uh, and uh, love to hear some feedback, positive, negative. Uh, let me know what you think. Uh, we'll do this show for your entertainment and want to know if you're being entertained. And if not, what more we could do. If you have any good ideas for segments or guests, please hit me up at David Penzer on Twitter. And uh, don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And uh, be sure to leave uh, a review if you can. We'll see you next week. Until next time, I'm David Penzer, still sitting ringside. Follow David Penzer on Twitter at David Penzer. Also, make sure to follow the show on Twitter at Penzer Ringside. You've been sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. This is a Rush the Field quick fix on Radio Influence. Of course, Alabama and Clemson are right there at the top, followed by Notre Dame, the three undefeated teams. And we're not going to count UCF as an undefeated team in this conversation, even though and they're going to have an argument and they'll always have an argument. But right now, we're not going to include them in this conversation. But when you look at four through, let's say, nine, LSU, Michigan, Texas, Georgia, Oklahoma, Florida, you see it. You say it every single week, Chris. You can flip flop all those teams. I can't tell you right now that LSU, Michigan, or Texas deserves to be number four in the country because I don't see either of those teams as the fourth best team in the country. In fact, I don't know who the fourth best team in the country is. Well, they're all flawed. I mean, LSU is still very average on offense, and they're very good defensively. Oklahoma is really explosive on offense. They're not good on defense. Georgia, you know, everybody's forgotten Georgia because they got embarrassed by LSU and Baton Rouge. 
you want to talk talent, they've got talent. Now, they've been banged up a little bit, had a bye week. We're going to see Georgia and Florida this week. Florida beat LSU. They're a good team. I think Florida and LSU are very comparable. I think Florida's been a little bit more balanced, but we're going to see in that game uh, how it plays out. Uh, I do like Georgia a little bit in the game, uh, but we shall see. So I, I, I would still say that Georgia is, if I were to look at it, um, still has the most talent of that group. I would say that Michigan is playing well. Um, but you're right. Texas is beating Oklahoma. I, Oklahoma looks a little better and a little bit more complete now, but we may see them play again at the end of the year in the Big 12 championship game. Um, you know, West Virginia is still in it, but struggling. A lot of football left. So while we want to make that claim, I can tell you that I, I can throw those teams in the hat and say, boy, they're all vulnerable. Rush the Field with Scott Seidenberg and Chris Leadry can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.